0: The Hello Careers podcast explores a system developed to align business needs with education and training. It's proven to be invaluable for dozens of businesses and people looking to create a new life for themselves. We are firm believers that you must screen for attitude and train for aptitude. We're unpacking our insight to help you build partnerships and earn public support for an age-old way of learning a skill, apprenticeship. We'll address issues such as where there's a skills gap, is there an education and training gap? How do you respond to a tight labor market? What happens when the major employer pulls out of your community? If you're looking to create an apprenticeship program or curious about what to do next, this show could be just the thing you've been looking for. I'm your host, Mark Sylvester. Now, let's get started and talk with the team. Well, welcome back, Michael. Season two, we did uh, a full season of Hello Careers and laid out the whole program, and now it's been about a year, and we're going to start off this season with a recap of how things are going. So why don't
1: you tell the audience who you are and, and what you do with Hello Careers? I'm Michael Spiccarola. I'm the executive director of Slow Partners and executive director at the County Office of Education in San Luis Obispo.
0: And who do we have with us this morning?
1: We have uh, two what I'd like to call evangelists that have joined our team, Luke Wallace and Paula Fryer. Luke Wallace and Paula both hired some of our apprentices. And...
0: I love that idea because I remember in our first season, when you started out, you were oversubscribed and then how, what was the percentage of people that get hired from that first crew?
1: Our percentages for hiring, um, have been above 90% and often hundred percent.
0: See, and, and now how many cohorts
1: have we had since we first started? We've had two cohorts of IT and software testing and one cohort of software developers, and one cohort of production technicians. Now, what does a production technician do? A production technician does entry-level assembly work, but it's really working with some very unique niche market precision manufacturing companies that are doing anything from... um, working on defense contracts, on super secret projects, to working on uh, reassembling and uh, uh, working on injectors, fuel injectors and things like that, to um, working on air suspension units in uh, uh, custom cars. So
0: let's revisit the basic premise of Hello Careers, and that is that apprenticeship works.
1: Yes, apprenticeship does work. It's the idea that not everything can be learned in a classroom, but you need that practice and on-the-job experience. And so, what we've done is combined a boot camp experience, where it's really rapid training in specific te- uh, in specific technical skills, and then on-the-job training to really practice those skills and perfect those skills over time. And it's really employers have really responded well to that because it's a tough market out there to find really qualified employees. And being able to see a number of employees and have that choice and a number of employers to work with really lowers the risk for both the employer and the employee.
0: Well, you bring up the job market. and It makes me think that when you started this program, I'm thinking a couple of years ago when the, the first seeds of the idea came out, job market was different. And so how, how has that changed
1: dramatically here and, and how have you had to adopt, adapt the program? Well, I think in the Central Coast, in San Luis Obispo, I'm not sure the job market has necessarily changed as much as it's um, continued along with that it's a tight labor market and finding really qualified employees for specific um, types of skills, especially in technology work. So whether it's help desk or working on a software development team or uh, trying to expand your market as a... um, as an assembler or um, in precision manufacturing, it's really tough finding these um, specific skill sets and really qualified employees. is tough to find. Yeah, I wanted to just add something onto that. I think in in San Luis
2: Obispo specifically, we have a, a little bit of a unique challenge in the job market in the in the labor market. In that, we have a lot of really high level careers. We have software companies, we have the nuclear power plant, we have, um, you know, a a slew of uh, accountants and attorneys and things like that. And then we've got a lot of uh, jobs related to the tourism and hospitality industry and um, wineries and agriculture. So there's a very, you know, high concentration of super high end jobs and a concentration of super low end jobs. But there isn't a lot of kind of career path, lower to middle uh, you know, level kind of career path jobs. And that's, I think, a big goal of this program is how do you get those people that are maybe in some of those hospitality or retail uh, food service jobs um, into an opportunity where they can start a career path towards one of those higher end, uh, higher paying uh, head of household jobs.
3: The head of
0: household is a key word because as I've explained Hello Careers to other people as we're talking about it, it's we can take someone who is maybe managing a fast food operation and they've got some skills. As you say, we're looking for aptitude and attitude, right? Yes. Um, and we find that they're a good worker. We can put them in. And and if I'm not mistaken, I've, I, I've heard like they could double their salary in a, a relatively short period of time and get that middle management level. Paula?
3: Yeah, I mean, part of it too is that they have a passion to begin with. So it's not somebody who's, as you said, a manager at a fast food restaurant or something. It's somebody also that has been tinkering, you know, in their garage, creating things, or somebody who loves video games and wants to dive deeper into the software of it. So they've had a background in it, but they also are looking for a change in career. So it kind of brings those two things together. Somebody who wants to, you know, move up their career trajectory, but also incorporate the passions that they have already.
0: So going from hobbyist to like turning that my plan B into my plan A, so that my my side hustle is now or that thing that I love to tink, as you say tinker with becomes the job. How do you find these people? Have you learned over the since we we last talked? How do you find those hobbyists and let them know about these opportunities? Yeah, so one of the
2: interesting things we did in the most recent iteration of uh, of our program for our production technician precision manufacturing bootcamp was to launch a pretty comprehensive digital marketing strategy. And one of the unique things that you can do when you pursue that type of strategy is get really laser targeted, both on the demographics of who you're searching for, where where are they in their you know path of life, but also in the interests and psychographics that people are interested in. So if I'm trying to recruit for a production manufacturing or precision manufacturing um, cohort, I can target people who have specifically uh, indicated an interest in, you know, welding and mechatronics and 3D printing and CNC and things like that through their digital online profiles. And that process, what we learned through that was that the people that we were talking to when we were interviewing and screening were, you know, 80, 90 percent of the way that they would need to be to really be qualified to present in front of one of these employers. They just, for whatever reason, hadn't been able to put everything together to turn their hobby into a career. So they needed some kind of a vehicle to pull it all together and give them the right introduction to uh, take things to
1: that next level. This idea
0: of micro-targeting, Michael, that's new,
1: isn't it? I think it's an evolution of what we started with the Ticket into Tech. Um, This iteration was tinker to technician. Oh, I love that. That we really, we had this theory and we found the data and it was really amazing that we were able to find these tinkerers who didn't really realize that they could become technicians. And then also they didn't know that there were local companies that valued these type of skills And that there was an opportunity and a career in this area that was really a hobby and just a passion for them. You know, so many um, local community college students that had taken welding classes, basic electronics classes, um, artists who had taken were really interested in three D art, but then also took a welding class and then discovered the the skill of welding. And, you know, that was a similar idea to what we found in the ticket Into Tech is that we found a lot of people with um, performing arts and artistic backgrounds, that they had this much more diverse mindset. And then when you teach them some basic technical skills and add on to that, that becomes a very unique candidate for an employer.
0: It, the uniqueness of this is um, it's actually Rather staggering because if the problem is we don't have enough workers to fill all the jobs, and you said, wait, there's this whole group of people, were the tinkerers, that were they to just know this existed, and then with not a whole lot of training, I mean, they, uh, there's a boot camp that they go through. They, the employer gets a well qualified person. We don't have to import talent. We're taking an upskilling people that we have in place already this is like a win-win-win future careers locally grown
2: i I really do think there is a little bit of a false narrative in this concept that there aren't the the uh there isn't the talent pool for these types of, of jobs i think there is a lack of connection between the talent pool and the opportunities and you know one of the things we really noticed beyond going through a technical boot camp and giving them some additional technical skills, which even the ones that were very qualified learned, you know, more through that process. But beyond that, it was kind of the career development and interview coaching and resume resume skills and things like that that I think really made a lot of the delta. Uh, and Paula really kind of led that effort in in her background from an HR perspective, how to craft these these students into being able to tell their story and and present themselves in a way that that was really meaningful and and, uh, attention-grabbing to the employers.
0: Paul, I think in in season one, in the first iteration, it was really thinking about the technical skills, but now you've brought in the soft skills. How do I handle an interview? How do I present myself to the points that Luke was just saying? Where did you... Um, see that that was an issue and say there's a gap that we can fill to actually make the program even more efficient?
3: Well, soft skills are so important, and I have taught classes at Cal Poly, and as being a recruiter for a software company for eight years here in San Luis Obispo County, I realized how important soft skills are in the tech industry especially, um, or at least that's where I started from, um, because That makes a person even more marketable if they have those additional soft skills. So they might have, you know, the tech skills, but if they can communicate with a client or communicate within a team or, you know, um, have empathy for other people, you know, that type of thing, it's very helpful in their career trajectory. They can do so many more things. They can really climb that ladder, having those soft skills alongside of them. So one thing I did um, was the partners with the precision manufacturing uh, group is um, taught f- resume building, interview skills, um, how to have a great LinkedIn profile. So those were just some things. That, some things that I worked with those candidates with, so that when they were ready to be presented to the employers, they had the full scope. They had the the whole package.
0: When I think of the stereotype engineer and all the engineers I hired over the years, they weren't always the most conversational or personable, but they were they rocked on the keyboard. But there's that that big hurdle of how do I get through the interview? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's interesting that you identified that gap and you added that to the program because that not only helps get them placed, but it gives them some really critical career tools that are going to help them for the rest of their life.
3: So an engineer or a software developer or technician with those soft skills, their job trajectory is limitless if they have those soft skills as well as those skills they can go a lot further with that and you've probably seen that with the engineers if they could you know be a also be a manager or a scrum leader or you know talk to the customers then they had a lot more of the depth of a career than just the engineering part.
0: Because that's what we're looking for, right, Michael, is we're, we're building, um, I love this, future careers locally grown. So
1: it's, um, it's not we're just giving them a job, they're getting a career. Yeah, and I think what Paul was referring to there with the soft skills, it really takes a sense of self-awareness. And so having business professionals on our team to help conduct mock interviews and give them that feedback... A lot of times people are not really aware of how they present themselves in an interview. And they may go through three or four interviews and not understand why there's a no at the end of them because there's just not that self-awareness. And I think a lot of those self those soft skills really are dependent upon that ability to have some self-awareness and empathy and really see how you're presenting yourself to others and how are you packaging that story of these technical skills, the boot camp that you've just gone through, as well as your own personal passion. Employers wanna see somebody who's hungry, humble, and smart. And I think the, the key thing that all of
2: that, you know, yields at the end of the day is confidence. These, these students at the end of this process through learning the technical skills, through being in a cohort as a group and working on projects together as a group and displaying leadership qualities and, and um, doing hard things together. Uh, and then also learning the kind of career development components. They develop a confidence at the end of the day that when an employer, from my perspective, previously as an employer, hiring people, when I you know, when they pass the hungry, humble, happy test, but also had that confidence, that was the X factor that I knew, you know, they were going to do well and they were going to go beyond just the role I was hiring them for at the moment.
0: Michael, I remember in season one, you were talking about um, when you talked to the businesses that they were looking for people who would be good on teams, like that was a real specific mm-hmm. ask. Like, how is this person going to be on teams? And so we're not just hiring and training individual contributors, but to your to your point, it's how are they going to work? And I love that you called it X factor because I think that's something you can't tell until you're sitting right across from that person. Mm-hmm. And Paula, you've interviewed thousands of people. So <laughs> what does X factor in that regard look like? I, I want to transition over into our business, uh, the the impact this has had on business. But how, how does a business person who's looking at these people identify the X factor?
3: Well, you mentioned teams. And really, for all jobs now, you have to be able to work in a team. You have to be able to collaborate, whether you're a programmer, you know, working on QA, software testing, whether you're a precision manufacturer and technician, you have to be able to work on a team. You have to be able to collaborate, um, brainstorm, you have, you know, your stand-up morning meetings and you have to be able to participate in those. It's not so much just an individual job where you're, say, sitting behind a computer all day by yourself. Sure, there's some of those still, but for the most part, most people want uh, jobs where they're really interacting. You know, the startups, that's what it's all about in tech is, you um, is working together and brainstorming, coming up with great ideas, and the way that you do that is with teamwork. So that's huge for a company who's hiring to see people that are able to do that and able to articulate their ideas as well. Um, So it all kind of plays into the soft skills and seeing the, the technical skills combined with those types of skills. That's what makes the X Factor.
0: Michael, so we've heard a little bit about how you've changed how to find, uh, get this program in front of potential candidates for it. How have you uh, changed finding businesses and reaching out to
1: businesses to let them know that you exist? It's still a lot of hard groundwork of going out there and talking to businesses and a lot of follow-up, 17 touches minimum. Yep. Having the boot camp model and being able to invite employers in to share information about their company, do a short presentation from the cohort to understand, you know, what's the opportunity there, and then having these sort of you know very informal networking events where after they present, we have a little bit of a break and the students can go and t- um, follow up directly with uh, whoever the employer is and exchange some business cards and sort of have that informal introduction and start learning how to pitch their story and you know give them that firm handshake and, and eye contact and ask how they can follow up on them. Um, those are That's what really starts getting companies excited when they see that there is some potential candidates there who um, they might be interested in.
3: So I just wanted to add to that. So, uh, you know, our perfect case scenario is recently I had um, Stream Guys, who's a local software company here in San Luis Obispo, and they sent me an email and said, hey, I'm looking for a software developer with the skill set. Do you have anybody to recommend? And I was able to just send them three of our resumes for our apprentices and give them you know, building up, having known those candidates and build building up with relationships with them is something that I do, and so I was able to recommend those to the company, and they ended up, you know, doing a full set of interviews with these people and hired hired one. So that's the perfect case scenario, um, and that's where we, you know, we want to be that that standard for businesses where they can come to us and know that we have these great candidates.
0: What is the Luke? Maybe you can help. The when we look at the the first group of employers we had, it was very very successful, and and we we've talked to them, and they're they're very happy. And how many of those are still with you and growing versus the new customers? So we've got this retaining our existing base and then growing it.
2: Yeah, I would say the vast majority of of our employers that we've worked with in earlier cohorts are still very much engaged and have at least interviewed future cohorts, if not continued to hire, you know, multiple uh, from multiple cohorts. I think a lot of it is just dependent on what stage of growth they're at, how fast they're growing, and if they happen to be ready for a hire when we are, you know, have candidates available to them. I think one of the the key things to Michael's credit, especially, that has made this program successful with employers is that he started the program with the perspective that it's going to be built with the notion that the employer is our customer at the end of the day. And there was a tremendous amount of customer discovery and customer development done at the beginning of this program. And that has continued to be the case on an ongoing basis to make sure that we're getting feedback from our employers about what are the types of candidates that they want, uh, what are the types of training that's are, that is important, how would those employers like to be worked with on an ongoing basis, how would they like us to communicate with them, and that has really shaped the entire um, you know operation and, and ongoing development of of the program is you know how do we provide more value and um, uh, better value for the employer customers uh, that we're already working with and those that
0: we can work with in the future. Is it fair to say that you just said that the employer is the customer and the uh, apprentices are the product?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, that's that's we actually use that exact terminology, and it's it's a little cold, I guess, to consider a, a candidate, a, a community member who wants to get a new career um, product. But if you think about it from that perspective, ultimately. Product is all about how do we derive the most value from the resources that we have available and the different um, processes that we can put that resource through. And we really think about that as we consider, you know, what are the pools and channels that we're recruiting from and what are the different kind of uh, systems and processes and training that we need to put these individuals through in order to um, have that that employer feel that X factor when this when this uh, candidate gets put in front of them and that's really the feedback that we've gotten from employers is that these people that they're interviewing are not only unique in their background but unique in their skill set and and perspective and and it's it's a um, it's a really Gratifying thing to be able to uh, see that process unfold.
0: It kind of feels like they're, uh, because of the uniqueness of the pool, they're not bringing bad habits with them.
2: Yeah, I I think that's true. And and I think that one of the things we like to kind of refer to our candidates is that they have a life before software, a life before precision manufacturing. You know, they've been employees in some fashion or another. Most of them are not. 18 years old right out of high school. These are people that, you know, have had jobs but haven't been able to acquire a career yet. So they've they've got the experience of being an employee for the most part, and, and we try to screen for those that have been good employees.
3: And I just wanted to add to that that some of them really have had great careers before they've done the apprenticeship. Um, we have UCLA grads, Stanford grads, Cal Poly grads, um, that have gone they've had careers or they've gone to school for something else and then they decide uh, what I really love is software development so I want to have the shift I have a ph a guy with a PhD right now who just went to uh, through ticket into tech and his PhD was in science and so but what he found that he loved was you know data and Um, programming and that type of thing. So he's having a career change. So it's all different people. But what makes them really unique is that they do have a story and they do have a background. So they come to their new profession with um, already usually professional experience or maturity, that kind of thing, so that they have that depth of an employee, uh, uh, you know, to add for an employer.
0: Michael, as we we look back on the year since we did season one, and we kind of laid out the roadmap for how an organization uh, would go and implement this type of program in their area. Have you? Uh, do you have a story of someone, an organization you've worked with that do a skill transfer and say, this is how you guys do this and learn from what you've done here in San Luis Obispo?
1: Well, we've invested a lot of time in really getting out of the startup mode into understanding what our operations are. Um, you know, we really, as Paula just said, we really have found a, a great system and, and process for fast tracking careers and restarting careers, and on just the operation side and working with companies, really streamlined what the paperwork is required for by the state, as well as how do we document success. It's competency based. We want to make sure that over the year that these candidates during their apprenticeship or gaining their experience that they're showing competency. And so we we just do that on a competency-based quarterly where the employers are helping us understand are they meeting the targets that they need to maintain their employment? Are they progressing at the rate that we anticipated they would um, when they were hired? Um, I think um, multiple examples of um, employers that, yeah, you know, we've completed the program and they've completed all the paperwork and it's been just painless for them. And it was, you know, Don apprentice is no different from any other hire. The advantage is as Paul ex- and Luke explained, they found this diamond in the rough that they may not have been aware of before working with us.
0: What are the challenges that you still have?
1: I still think it's this idea of defining what is modern apprenticeship. Each mm-hmm. successful candidate that we place with an employer helps really define that. But apprenticeship really has to be defined and embraced by the employers themselves. So that's where I think the more we focus on customer discovery, listening to what the businesses want, and then finding that talent and skill set that they, that they value, that's what really helps define that modern apprenticeship.
0: Have you created a, um, an advisory council since we last talked where you've got a few of these businesses that are, I mean, I know, again, let's go back to this product development model. So we've got a few, almost like a, a customer council, right, who are uh, just they're friends of the program and they want to see you succeed
2: exactly and and we do have an advisory council but beyond that we we really are in constant feedback mode uh, so we meet regularly with our advisory council but Every, almost every conversation we have with an employer, we try to ask a few questions through that process to make sure that we're understanding, you know, is this still working for you? Um, are there any challenges in in the way that things have been um, set up or things that you would like done in a slightly different way? You know, what is what is your feedback, most importantly, on the candidates that you've interviewed? Uh, you know, what do you like about them, don't like about them, uh, or don't like about the, the way the process unfolded? Um, and, and it really has crafted our kind of evolution of, of what we do next. I think, you know, as, as Michael was saying, one of our biggest challenges is just the perception of apprenticeship and the word apprenticeship. I think there is still some confusion out there about what that means and, you know, how do you um, analogize from the prior view of what apprenticeship was in the industrial era to what we're making it or trying to make it now so that kind of market confusion is is still something that we're working through
0: so there's still an education there that has to go on when i think i close my eyes and i think of apprenticeship i don't know why a blacksmith shop comes into mind but that's I'm probably not unique in that regard. And this program, this series of podcasts that we're doing for season two, is really meant to help the businesses understand what this is so that we can define it and then we have this resource for them to go back to. So why don't we talk a little bit now about what this season is going to cover? Because I know we're going to we're going to talk about uh, the case for large organizations, why Hello Careers is good for them. We're going to look at the case for small organizations who don't see them so they're not the Amazons and the Googles and they you know they're smaller organizations. We're going to listen to some employers. We're going to have them in and talk to them. We'll get real specific questions from them. We're going to look at what's next, Right, because we want to, we'll get our crystal ball out here and we'll we'll shine that up and see what's going to go on there. And then there are going to be objections, and you've heard those objections. So we're going to kind of talk about those, so we have that laid out as well, so that um, everyone understands how we overcome those objections. And then, because we know that uh, another base idea here is we want to get this program out we want other people doing this and we want to through our leadership and through your experience the practical experience help program administrators so i know we're going to do a show on tips and tricks wonderful
1: it's all about customer discovery and transparency that's how we'll learn that's how we'll grow
0: thanks you guys this is uh episode one of season two of hello careers and thank you very much Thank you for listening. How will you bring this system to your community and say hello to new careers and goodbye to low-wage jobs? For more episodes, visit hellocareers.org or send us a note to podcast at hellocareers.org. We'd love to hear from you with questions or success stories of how apprenticeship is working in your region. Till next time, I'm Mark Sylvester with Hello Careers.